the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. Very, very excited about today's episode and excited to share it with you. So much going on in the world, and when we talk about getting the right perspectives, we do our best to bring on folks who can talk about the world as it is, <laughs> truthfully, and give us a perspective that is helpful. Today, we have done that with our guest. Our guest today, and in this wonderful interview that I get to share with you, is none other than Zuby. My guest today is Zuby, who needs very little introduction, I'm sure. Rapper, author, podcaster, speaker, coach, just about everything else. And most recently, a uh, children's book author. Zuby, thank you so much for taking some time for us. Hey, happy to be here, man. I appreciate it. Um, I want to talk about your children's book here in just a, a little while. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I just uh, talked to Trent Talbot from Brave Books last week. And uh, man, what a what an amazing thing that's happening there. It's pretty incredible. And uh, it's awesome to see you as a part of that. Um, I, I've got a lot of questions, but I'd like to just start with your story. You have one of the most interesting personal histories, uh, maybe of anyone out there. You've kind of done a little bit of everything, but your path to where you are right now is not what a person would think if they just said, where does a rapper come from? I don't know where they would say, but they wouldn't say Saudi Arabia, Oxford, and now, now he's here. <laughs> hey, can you just tell us your story? And uh, we'll go from there because I'd love for our audience to hear that. Yeah, sure thing. So I'll give um, an abbreviated version. So I was born in the UK, in England to be precise. When I was a baby, my family moved to Saudi Arabia. I went to preschool there. I went to yeah. kindergarten up until fifth grade there. I was in a mainly expat community. A lot of people from all over the world, lots of Americans, Canadians, British people, people from various parts of Africa, Asia, Middle East, all over the world. Very, very diverse community. And my parents are originally from Nigeria. So I mm. guess that's, uh, that's important to know. That's yeah. my ancestral background. We're from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria. And... After fifth grade, I went to boarding school at the age of 11. I went to boarding school in the UK, so I was still living in Saudi Arabia at the time. And I was flying internationally by myself from mm. 12 years old. So going back and forth between the two countries multiple times a year, doing my studies in the UK, and then going back to Saudi Arabia during the vacation period. And I did well in school. I was a, I was a very strong student. I got into Oxford University, where I studied computer science. That's also where I started my music career. So I released my first album. I started rapping when I was in my first year of university, released my first album when I was in my second year of university. And then I graduated when I was 20, spent some time doing my music full time for a year before going into the corporate world. I moved to London, worked in the corporate world for three years as a management consultant. 
as you can hear, this is the typical rapper origin story, yeah. of course. And <laughs> That's then, exactly um, <laughs> what I think of, for sure. <laughs> of course, then in 2011, I, uh, I left that job to go pursue my music full time. And I've been self-employed since November 2011, so approaching 11 years now. Over the course of that time, I have sold tens of thousands of albums yeah. independently with no label. I've put out six albums and three EPs, performed live in about eight different countries, open for a lot of well-known artists. And I've also now written and released two books, um, mm. done hundreds of interviews, started my own podcast back in 2019 called Real Talk yeah. with Zuby. And I do a lot of things. A lot of people know me for yeah. a lot of different things. I've got people who know me primarily from my music. Other people know me for my fitness writing. Other yeah. people know me for my socio-political and cultural commentary. Um, different people know me for a lot of different reasons. And that's all good as long as people are aware of who I am and yeah. are able to take something positive out of what I do, then I'm on my mission. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I've heard you tell your story before and looking even at your bio, there's so many different things as you just mentioned. And the way that you explain it is, I, I think, so important. You talk about potential. And I think I've heard you say that really your goal in all of this is to live up to your potential. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that that's where all of us need to live. And I think most of us miss that. Yeah, sure thing, man. I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of potential. Yeah. Um and I think that I think so many people underestimate themselves and what they're really capable of. I actually think this is a this is a big problem. I often think like if we could I don't even want to sound like new age or woo woo at all. Sure, I'm not sure. that guy. But I think if people could really understand how much power that they individually have and I think the world would look really different. I think yeah. maybe maybe it's the way that people are raised and educated and a lot of the stuff that goes on in society that kind of beats this out of people. Cause when you talk to young children, they don't really have a cap on what they think they can do. They, they, yeah, they think right. that, right. They can be, I want to be an astronaut and a football player <laughs> and a musician and a YouTuber. I want to do this. Right. I want to do that. Right. And I think you keep, people keep telling children, you can't do this. You can't do that. You've got to be realistic. You've got to humble, you know, and it's good for people to be humble and to be realistic, but it's not good to, beat the potential and beat the dreams out of people. And yeah. I feel like so many adults walking around today have had so many dreams beaten out of them and that they have so many limiting beliefs and they don't themselves don't see, Hey, actually I can do a lot. I can achieve something great. I'm one person. I'm one man. I'm one woman, but I can make a dent in this world. I can make an impact here. And so with what I do, I recognize my own potential. I know that I have the power to be a positive inspiration motivation and to make a positive impact in the lives of millions and millions and millions yeah. of people. And beyond that, it's my duty to do so, right? I've been given a unique set of talents and experiences and yeah. abilities and a capacity that no one else has in the exact same combination that I do. So what better thing can I do than use that as a force for good in the world? And by me doing that, both directly and indirectly, that encourages other people to fulfill their potential. So yeah. I've written two books about health and fitness, and I talk about a lot of different things because I want people, first of all, to recognize that and then to go on a journey of self-improvement mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, relationships, finances, everything. We, we can all improve in different yeah. areas. And what's amazing about potential is it's, it's also impossible to reach it, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you strive 
to at least push closer to it, then that's good for you. It's good for your friends. It's good for your family. It's good for your community. It's good for your country, right? Imagine what Imagine what the USA would look like if all 340 million people in this country put in even an extra 10% or an extra 20% right, right. in striving to just do that much better, live that, live that little bit better, uh, become that much more knowledgeable, become that much more in shape, all of that. that that's how I look at it. And I think that this is how you really change the world for the better. We live in this age of um, a lot of performative activism. Right. Everyone, so many people want to put up hashtags or put things in their bio or (laughs) do this or do that or stand out on the street and shout and scream and tell everyone else, hey, you must do this. You got to do this. You got to vote that way. You got to support this policy. You got to do this. And people were always looking to politics, politics, politics. These people in positions of power don't, they don't, they don't care about you. They don't care yeah. about you. They don't even know yeah. who you are. Yep. Right. The, 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 if you're waiting for the government, the, the, the governor, the mayor, the president, the congressperson to, to fix all of your personal problems, you're going to be waiting for a very, very long time. So I want to refocus that locus of power away from people always looking up and thinking, oh, you know, we have the state and the government and yeah, right, all, these right. are the people who are going to fix. It's like, they're right. not going to fix all your, I don't know how many decades it's going to take for people to realize that they're not, haven't done it yet. And they're not yeah. incentivized to do so. They're not even, even if you had truly benevolent leadership, how are they going to get you in better shape? Sure. How are they going to take care of your finances? How are they going to raise your children? Uh, how are they going to do all, you know, like, yep. They, they don't even have the capacity to do it. So I'm not a big fan of outsourcing your power and your control and your responsibility and your account- accountability. It can be scary to take that on yourself, but I want to encourage people to do so because you'll find that it's much more rewarding and you'll actually live, live a much happier life yeah. when you realize that you're the one who's primarily in control of that. Otherwise, you're just a leaf and the wind can just blow, you know, right. maybe this day, this day it blows in your direction. That way it blows away that you don't like, and it's completely controlling you. Yeah. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. David Goggins says that in his estimation, people achieve maybe 40% of their potential. He talks a lot about that. And, Mm. you know, even if you add 10% or you add 20%, you're still not at your potential, but you change your life if you do that. If you're talking to a young person, and I think you have a unique voice with, with young people, you know, teenagers, early 20s. How do you help them see or understand reaching your potential while also balancing the pressures of, I need a job, I have to pay my bills? Mm -hmm. There are things that have to be done. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between someone who is a dreamer and someone who is, you know, legitimately, legitimately taking responsibility and pursuing potential. How do you talk about that or frame that for a young person who's just getting into this crazy world? I think it's a great question. And 
I think the one thing that young people need, and honestly, older people, is encouragement. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I said the other day I was driving. Um, I can't even remember where I, where I was in the states. I lose track of where I am sometimes. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I see all these billboards up everywhere, and I thought, you know what? If I were a mayor or a governor, do you know what I'd do? I would make sure that every twenty or twenty five percent of these billboards has a has a message of encouragement. Right. Right. Because so many people go through days weeks, months, years, and depending on who you're surrounded by, some people don't get a lot of encouragement. And I think this is a big problem. There's a lot of young men, young women out there, and no one ever encourages them, right? People tell them what to do. People admonish them. People tell them this and that, but they never say, Hey, you know what? Like you're, you're powerful. You can achieve, you can achieve greatness. Like go for it. We're proud of you. Like go for this thing. You can do better, right? It's not, it's not about, you know, there's, there's a lot of the pushing of the victimhood stuff. Like we, we mm-hmm. get a lot of that of like, oh, you know, nothing is your fault and everything is the fault of this person or that person or this yep. system or that system. But how often is there just a message of, hey, you, you've got this, you've got this seed within you. You're, you're not everything that you could be, but yeah, you've got the capacity for greatness. And this doesn't need to be a message that's, um, to, to answer your question, this isn't a message about any type of delusion, right? You have to work hard for it. Yeah. Right? Taking personal yeah. responsibility yeah. and accountability, achieving greatness in anything is, is not easy. I mean, if you want to improve your body, you want to lose weight or you want to build muscle or get stronger, yeah. or you want to get in shape to run a marathon, you want to start a successful podcast or YouTube channel, you want to build a business, you want to, um, even if you're employed and you want to rise up the ranks of your company, whatever it is, it's hard. You're, you're going to have to work. The world is competitive. Um, but if you put in that work, people will help you. Um, I've used the analogy before because I really like it. And I've said before that, um, you know, if you are, if your car breaks down and you're sitting in, you, you just sit in your car and you're on the, I don't know what you guys call them in the States. Do you call it a hard shoulder? Um, yeah, the shoulder. We just say the shoulder. The shoulder. Okay. Yeah. UK, yeah. we say hard shoulder. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're sitting there, right? And people are going to just keep driving by you. But if you get out of your car and you start pushing, what's going to happen? You're going to get some people who stop and they help you push. And the more people they see helping push, you're going to get more people helping to push. So I use that analogy. If you start to put in the work, you'll actually find that despite a lot of the messages that are pushed out there, there's going to be a lot of people who want to help and support you. If someone sees that you're putting in effort and you're working out and you're trying to do something great. I mean, great example, look in a gym. There's a lot of people who are afraid to go to a gym because they think that they're going to be made fun of because they're out of shape or they're skinny or they're fat. No, you go to a gym and people see you in there. Like people respect the fat guy in the gym. People respect the, it's like, man, yo, this, this, he's putting, he's putting in the work. Let's, let's, let's rally around and let's help him. He's trying to lose a hundred pounds. Let's support him. Yeah, yeah, you might get one person out of 100 who's mean or who's nasty or who makes a mean comment. But 99% of people are like, yo, I, I see what this guy's doing. Yeah. He's doing something great. So let's support him. And the more you do that, it's also it ripples outwards as well because we all affect each other. This is the reality. So, you know, we, we live in a very um, individualistic society in many ways. And one of the things that I think makes countries like the USA powerful is the focus on the individual, Mm. but we can't lose the fact that we all impact each other. Sure. Our our daily actions and lives and habits, these things do have an impact on each other because what is a society, but a collection of people, the things you do have an effect on your family. The things that happen within your family have an effect on the wider community and so on. 
So that goes for both the positive and the negative. Yeah. Um, if you turn on the TV, I, I don't like it when I turn on the TV and all I'm hearing is uh, nastiness and hatred and yep. not like, right? Because people watch that and then they go out and it makes them more likely to kind of spread that same energy. Whereas if people are getting positive messages and they're hearing positivity, they then are more likely to go out and spread positive and it, it all reciprocates. Yeah, it all right. ripples outwards. It all reciprocates in these waves. And it's very hard to measure these things exactly. But we know that we know we know at the core that it's true. And so I'm very much I try to, to do my best on keeping my overall message positive within my music, on my mm. podcast appearances, mm. public speaking, everything I do. So I'm very I'm very realistic and grounded right. in grounded right. in reality and not trying to hide away from confronting some of the issues that I think need to be confronted. But I think it's important. You, you use the word framing. I think it's always important to frame it in a positive way because then people can recognize why it matters. Um, you want to have something to, for people to drawn, to be drawn towards, yep. not so, just something for them to be trying to avoid or pushing away from. Yeah, that's great. Uh, encouragement is so powerful, and the examples you gave are great. Although I will say, if you're pushing your car on the side of the road in the United States, someone may throw something at you out the window, too. So that is something <laughs> else that could also happen. But yeah, hopefully people will come along and help. Um, you are very positive. I think that's one of the attractive things about you. Your message musically is positive when you say things. Even controversial things, you say them in such a positive way. It's like, oh, wait, Oh, oh, wait, wait, he's, he's, he's like bagging on me right now. But that was just really funny. So you're very positive. You're quick to smile. You're quick to laugh. Uh, you point out things that are going well, which a lot of people don't do. Mm. Why is it that it seems like we're in this moment in time where everything is about rage, everything is about hate, everything is about anger? Obviously, being encouraged is, is much more positive. It makes us feel better. It sets mm. our day right. It helps us as we go through life. And yet, even on the right, and this drives me insane, so we talk about the left all the time and conservative left. The conservative right is just as guilty of this as the left is. It's all about rage all the time and what's wrong mm. all the time and what's broken all the time mm. when most of the world is not that. Why are, why are we so attracted to that? I think it's twofold. I think part of it is biological. Mm. And then I think part of it is just a matter of incentives. So I think that as I'm not, I'm not a biologist or a psychologist, sure. but, um, <laughs> but you did go to I, Oxford, <laughs> so you've got that going for you. Yeah. But one thing I do know, and if you study marketing or even advertising or journalism, you'll, you'll know this, which is that human beings are, we're, we're generally more sensitive to negativity and loss mm. than we are to positivity and gain. So in the media, there's that common phrase, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? right? Why is the news so negative? Why aren't there right. not more happy stories? Even if you're advertising something, it can be more effective to address pain points mm. rather than to list the benefits that people are going to get. Right. Um, and so I think there's a, a natural thing. It's like, you know, lose, losing, losing a hundred dollars feels worse than making a hundred dollars feels good. Mm. Um, so I think we're just sensitive to negativity. So I think that when things are generally going well, we don't really take note of it. And there's something just, I, I, I guess, I mean, it makes sense. I guess it's a, it's a survival mechanism. Sure. I guess sure. If, you, if you were to go back to certain amounts of times, it's very important to be threat sensitive and to be danger sensitive. But yeah. I think that we now live in a, a relatively 
very, very, very peaceful sure. and calm sure. and um, relatively low stress time in terms of the proper definition of stress. And but we still have that hardwiring. So I think that's the biological reason. And I, I think then there's the matter of incentives, um, which I guess is linked to the previous one. But when it comes to, say, things like the traditional media, it's driven by clicks, right? It's driven by clicks. And the yeah. most the yeah. best the best emotion to trigger if you right. want to get clicks is outrage. Right. Right. People right. click more and they share more right. based on anger, based on outrage than they do based on things that make them smile or things that make them feel good. So whether you're on social media or you're looking at traditional media, the stuff that's likely to be a story, the stuff that's likely to spread, it's got something about it that is triggering or is offensive or is divisive or is polarizing. So there's always that urge to focus on it. But then once you focus on it, it grows. And if you (laughs) react with outrage, then that spreads further and yeah. it spreads further. And we live in this age of retweets and shares and story posts and so on. So there can be a great positive story and it only goes so far, but then it can be like, Oh my gosh, like, look at this, yeah, right. look at this crazy, horrible right. thing. And it just, it explodes. And when people see that happening consistently, it can also create this distorted vision where things that are actually very rare, bad events that are very rare, people start to think that they're very common. Mm. You see this with the, um, mass shootings. Yep. You see this with police killings, right? right? These things are very, they're very extraordinarily rare, right? Extraordinarily rare, not rare enough, right? It would, it would be sure, nice for them course. to, to never happen. It would be happen, nice for things right? to never happen. But people have this idea. I mean, there's people, I know people who are afraid to come to the USA because they think they'll be shot. Yeah. Right. They're afraid they, they don't even want to step foot in the country because they think the police are racist and they're yeah. going to, they're running around targeting black people and just killing people indiscriminately. They think that you go to Texas and everyone's just having shootouts <laughs> on the street with AR-15s. I also have met Americans who say, Hey, I've heard London is really dangerous. Right, right? I've heard that right. people are always getting stabbed and that there's grooming gangs and rape gangs and yeah. this and this. And it's just like, man, like London is, you can, you can go to London. You'll be, you'll be, <laughs> be okay. you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. Right. I mean, yes, you could walk outside and you could be struck by lightning, right? You right. could be hit by a car, but like <laughs> right. the probability of it, unless you're involved in some major criminal activity or something like that, the probability of it is really low. I just saw this. Oh, I remember where I was last week. I was in Chicago. Oh yeah. Well, you right? might get shot in Chicago. I mean, that is a possibility. Well, well yeah, this is what, this is literally what 70% of my audience was saying. Like, what are you doing in Chicago? You're gonna, you're gonna... I'm like, guys, it's okay. Chicago is not like, I, I know, I know why that concern is there, yeah. Yeah. but the media is not reporting. Oh, there was uh, millions of people out in Chicago right. today and it was sunny and it was pleasant and everyone was nice to each other. Yeah. That doesn't make the news. Yeah. That's it's a city a of 10 million people. Right. And there are some bad neighborhoods, <laughs> there, but that's there not are. everywhere. Yeah. There are. Yeah. But that, yeah. And, and that exists everywhere as well. You know, you can always yeah. focus on the negative and find it in a country, in a city, in a person. Right. But as we said, you can also focus on the positive. You um, are, are well known for two things, I guess. One, your music and one, your political commentary. Some know you for both. And I'm sure you have an audience that came from one to the other. Uh, what was the series of events or the thought process you went to went through to to engage in the political commentary you're you're involved in? It it, it doesn't <laughs> knowing your background and, and your education and where you came from and kind of your maybe where your worldview was formed. It's not unusual, but to think of someone who is a rapper, you know, kind of involved in that world who transitioned or or added <laughs> added maybe political commentary. Uh, what what was behind that or what pushed you into that? Mm. 
the world becoming things getting weird, man. Yeah. That that's yeah. really what it was because th- there are so many things I say on a daily basis. I mean, my latest tweet just before I jumped on this podcast, I just had to tweet to remind people that only women get pregnant and men don't get <laughs> pregnant and everyone on earth was birthed from a woman. Because what a I controversial was, position. I was responding to a verified account yeah. who was claiming that this was not true. Unbelievable. Right? Yep. Now, you could just go back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, in the UK, in the USA, anywhere in the world, even the most liberal, progressive person right. would be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what's happened in the last 15 years that all of a sudden it seems like there's been this psychosis and loss of common sense and yeah. denial of even objective reality. So the way I got involved in some of these conversations was I've been having these conversations in private for a very long time, but as a musician, I wanted the yeah. focus to be on my music. I didn't really want to wade too much into yeah. politics and yeah. cultural stuff. I'd mentioned it a little bit of my music, but I, I didn't seek out to be a commentator or a voice of truth in these regards, but it's just like, I'm standing still and I'm seeing the world. I'm seeing my country. I'm seeing the USA. I'm seeing various countries, especially in the West. I'm seeing all these, to use a Dr. Gad Sad's term, Mm. idea pathogens Mm. spreading throughout society. All of a sudden people are questioning reality itself and making claims and statements that are not making sense. You're suddenly seeing, why are grown men twerking in front of children? Why yeah. are people trying yeah. to push this on kids? What, what, like, there's so many things going on. And I, I just started to notice a lot of that stuff creeping in. And it got to a point where silence was not even an option for me. Mm. And I wasn't seeing a lot of people saying the things that I say. One of the most common things I get now from people who support me is, man, Zuby, thank you for saying the things that I think. Right. And I wasn't seeing people saying the things that I was thinking. I was like, wait, Mm -hmm. I I don't think that I'm not some extremist or radical or, you know, crazy person or whatever, but I'm not seeing a lot of common sense out there. I'm seeing the people who are really bold and who are really, really speaking out. The majority of them seem crazy. Right. 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 The 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 angry ones, right? Yeah. 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 The the bravest people are angry or crazy or both. And they're out there and they're you know, spreading all their craziness yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, man, there's not, I'm seeing, I saw a couple people who were speaking up on it, but, but not enough. And so it got to a level where I was like, okay, I have to, I have to join this conversation somewhat mm-hmm. begrudgingly. And I did that. Um, where it really blew up, of course, was with my, my famous 2019 tweet where I broke the British women's right. death <laughs> record whilst claiming I identified, right. right. I mean, that was three and right. a half years ago now, yeah. man. And yeah, Three and a half years later, this is still a conversation. Yeah, a bigger this is conversation. Still a, yeah. It's a bigger conversation. Yeah. I mean, what is going on? Like, again, 10 years ago, this would not, not have been yeah. an issue. It wouldn't even have been viewed through any type of political lens. We're just talking right. basic biology, right. objective reality. Right. There are men. There are women. Men and women are different. Our biological functions are not exactly the same. Men are bigger, stronger, faster, so on. This is why for our entire lives and beyond yeah. that we've had yeah. men and fe- male and female sports right. segregated not because of sexism or some type of bigotry but because of basic fairness and you're just seeing all of these ideas being thrown out the window and so that's really what makes me vocal it's not that i have some real a political agenda i want to push if i have an agenda it's 
what we said about encouraging yeah. people to self-improve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the political arena, I'm just trying to make sense, right? People are, we're living in an age of lies and a lot of people are not willing to just be honest and to tell the truth and to have conversations. And even when, when people, there's all the censorship going on and the deplatforming, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. people are, again, freedom of speech didn't used to be a controversial issue. Right. But now you've got people saying, oh no, freedom of speech is bad. We need more right. censorship. Sure. We need more deplatforming. Uh, we need this. We need that. Look at the past two and a half years we lived through with the whole pandemic situation. All of a sudden, you know, freedom out the window, liberty yep. out the window, yep. civil liberties, individual rights, all of that stuff just got thrown out the window, not just in China or yeah. in countries no. that are much more authoritarian, yeah. right? But in places like the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, yeah. New Zealand. I mean, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I remember when Westerners used to tell me, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I can't believe they make women cover their face in public. Right. You know, and people yeah. are like, oh, well, that, that's different. How dare you make that yeah. comparison? And I'm like, yeah. well, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. Authoritarianism is, it, is, is authoritarianism, <laughs> right? It looks the same is everywhere. It, is it really so different? They're like, yeah. well, this one's for science. I'm like, is it really yeah, for science? Really though? For science right? right. If you're trying to, you know, all the, all the coercion, all the force, all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a strange few years and I've just been a, I've just been vocal on that because maybe it's my personality type. If if I see something that is that I think is really really wrong or is really really going wrong, right. I feel compelled ethically to say something. I can't just you know, it's like seeing someone running towards a cliff mm. and I know there's a cliff there. Yeah. I it's my duty to say, "Hey bro, there's a there's a cliff. Yeah, if you keep right. running, you're going to go off this cliff." And I think our countries are in are in quite a per precarious situation where a lot of the great stuff that has been done and has been achieved could quite easily be undone if people are not careful. Yeah. Um, worldview for me frames everything. I think for all, all people it does, whether people can identify their worldview or not, we all have one. That's the place from which we operate and we see the world. Um, can you talk about your worldview, where where that was developed or where that came from? Again, in in your your music world, most people would not consider those in the rap community or the hip hop community to have a conservative worldview. Mm -hmm. uh, you do. Can you talk about where that was developed and and kind of how you see the world or whatever the lens is that you see it through? Well, I don't know. A lot of rappers, especially American ones, are very pro free speech, very pro gun, mm. um, very pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. A lot are. of them are actually very, very pro family. Um, <laughs> yeah, very pro. That's, so again, that's what I think of when I think of rap music: pro family, yeah, pro gun, not big, they're, very they're, conservative. They're not, yeah, they're not big fan. They're not big fans of taxes and so on. So uh, there might be more uh, conservative <laughs> conservatism in there in some ways than you think. Um, but you know, I think my my worldview, like everyone else, is is a combination of my personality, my background, my upbringing, my experiences, and my sense-making and learning. Um, I've had the blessing to be able to visit about 40 different countries mm. and to live in multiple different countries and to experience a big range of different cultures. Right. So as we said, you know, my, my blood is from Nigeria. I was born in England. I was raised in the Middle East. Yeah. Spent a lot of time, you know, attended an American school for a while and have spent a lot of time in the USA and traveled actually to more states than I think most Americans mm, have. Yeah. And so I've just got this wider perspective. I often talk about perspective and I talk about gratitude and I think these things go hand in hand. I think that when you've been around the world a lot and been around a lot of different people, you do 
you do appreciate some of the great things that we have in a country like the USA or in a country like the UK. The entire world does not look like the USA. Yeah, right. The opportunities that are available here, the, sure. the infrastructure, sure. even the laws, the systems, the way society is, it's a special country for a reason. And it's taken a long time to get there. Um, and it's not perfect, right? There are many, many things that I would love to see improve in yep. your country, in my country, and so on. But you have to still be grateful for what it is. I often ask people, you know, do you think you have it worse than your grandparents or your hmm. great-grandparents? Anyone honest says no, right? You know, yeah. I, uh, you know of course, I have, I, have it better, I have it better than them. Sure. Um, and that also, you know, do you think you have it better than most people around the world? Like there's billions of people in this world who do not have access to some pretty basic things, right? Um, they don't, there's no guarantee that they, they turn on a tap and clean water comes out. Yeah. They hit, they hit a switch and light comes out, you know, where right. they, where they pee, where they poop, right? A lot of people don't have plumbing, <laughs> like let alone broadband internet and the power to create yeah. a magical podcast like <laughs> right. this. So right. we, we have to be grateful for these things because when you're not, you undermine it and you start to destroy the things that are really, really good. So for me, a lot of my perspective has come from that traveling and that experience and also just the experience of, of different cultures. So I don't really have a, I guess I don't, I don't really have like a, a cultural default in a way I'm, I'm yeah. British, but I'm not like your typical Brit. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm Nigerian by blood and ancestry, but I've grown up in a very Western way. I lived in Saudi Arabia for two decades, but I'm yeah. obviously not, Saudi and I, I'm not from there. Right. I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of an outsider in a way, no matter where I go, even in my home country of the UK, everyone thinks I'm American for goodness sake. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so no matter where I go, I'm always kind of an outsider in a way. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of this world citizen. So I guess it allows me to see things a bit more dispassionately and a bit more mm. objectively and to kind of appreciate the pros and the cons and That's the good. strengths and the weaknesses of different systems and countries and ways of doing things and, and a, a recognition. And I think it's quite a humble recognition that nowhere is, um, you know, no, nowhere is, is perfect or even, even close to it. There's many different ways you can structure a society. There's different ways you can structure a, a government. Right. You can right. have very different types of laws. I've been in, I mean, it's weird for me. Like if I go to somewhere like uh, California or Nevada or something, and I'm just seeing like advertisements for cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I grew up in a country where you could be executed right. for dealing that. Yeah. Right. And so I've seen, <laughs> I, yeah. I've seen both yeah. of those things. Right. Yeah. But, and then you see that you see the problems in this place and you see the problems in that place and you see the overlaps, you see the differences, you see what works in this culture and not yeah. everything that works. Yeah. Here's another thing some people don't understand is that just because something works in one place doesn't mean it works everywhere. Yeah, that's good. Right? That's, so that's an think... important thing to say. People think that, well, <laughs> I do it this way. We're always comparing the United States to like... Denmark. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Denmark, right? Like, there is nothing even... Re we're the same color. That's about it. There's nothing else that even relates. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, exactly. People will compare the USA of what, 340 million yeah, people. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. To, to a, con a country with like 6 million right. or something like that. And be like, California, well, it works where I live, is bigger than Denmark. Yes. Exactly. Dude, even the UK. I mean, the UK is a, a country that punches above its weight, but the UK is smaller than California. Yeah. The UK is smaller yeah. than Texas. Yeah. And, it, and keep in mind, the UK is four countries. 
Mm. Right. That four country conglomerate <laughs> is smaller than individual states yeah. within the US. So even between those two countries, you can't just easily say, oh, well, you know, yeah, the UK right. does this. So right. let's just do the same thing. You're talking about very different demographics, totally different geography, a whole different scale. That's right. And I think that's one thing. One thing I love about the USA is the fact that there are 50 states. I mean, yeah. that in itself is really, really cool. I think it's dope that you've got such a broad range within mm. one country in terms of the culture, in terms of the weather the way stuff looks and the environment, the yeah. type of people, the culture, even the laws, all of that. I think that's cool. It can be a little bit chaotic. Mm. Um, I think it's one reason why the USA is much a much more chaotic country yeah, than the right. UK is, for example, let alone Denmark or Sweden. Um, <laughs> but with that comes a lot of opportunity, um, comes a lot of diversity in the in the truest sense. I don't just mean the sort of superficial people having different skin colors way. Um, but a lot of different ideas and entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not by accident that so many, uh, big companies and entrepreneurs come from the USA. That's not, yeah. that's not by accident because there's countries with similar or, you know, there's countries with bigger populations and there's not the same amount of innovation because they're more homogenous and there isn't the opportunity for capitalism to, to thrive and there isn't the same atmosphere and infrastructure. So, I just recognize all of this stuff, man. That that's was a very long-winded answer. No, that's but, um, good. I recognize all these things, and that's where my worldview comes from. Yeah, that's good. We we are so polarized often in our thinking that you know my way, wherever I was raised, whatever my experience is, that's how I see the entire world. And it, it's it is it's so much bigger than that. Um, I, I could talk more about that, but let's talk about Candy Calamity, your, your recent children's book. Um, I, I First of all, I just want to go on record as saying, I think Brave Books is awesome. I think what is happening there is absolutely incredible because there are people trying to influence our children <laughs> and uh, we need to influence our children as well. This is a great way mm -hmm. to do that. Um, how did you get involved with this? And then maybe talk about what the book is about. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, like, how do you, how and why did you write a children's book? <laughs> right. So shout out to Brave because they actually reached out to me towards That's the cool. end of 2021. I, di I didn't have plans explicitly to write a children's book, but they reached right. out to me. I was actually already familiar with them because I know some of the other authors who have done books with them. And they reached out and said, Hey, we, we'd love to collaborate with you on a book sometime next year. You yeah. can, you know, you can pick the topic and obviously write it and everything. I was like, you know what? Um, I've gotten quite far in my career by saying yes to random things. Uh, so <laughs> that's good. That's I, I, good. I, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a, I'm more of a why not person than a sure. why person. Sure. So I was just like, yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, that's, that's aligned with what I do. I'm all about encouraging people and trying to be yeah. a positive inspiration and motivation to people. I, I haven't done anything that's aimed at that demographic, really. Maybe some of my music, uh, you know, people can listen to in that age group. So I was just like, cool, yeah, let's let's do it. And then I wanted to write a book that was non-political. I know a lot of their books have more of a, a sure. direct political theme to them. And I said to them, I was like, you know what? I, I want to do one that is not political at all, um, but does have a strong an important message mm. that both young people and older people and families all need to hear. And this is about the importance of taking care of your body, yeah. nutrition, exercise, good yeah. lifestyle habits, moderation. All of these things are really, really important. And it's something that, um, again, as a society with, with all the crazy stuff we talk about, we don't talk about health enough. Right. Um, prior to any viral pandemic, 
in both of our countries, we've been having a rising pandemic of obesity. Yep. And it's uncomfortable for people to, to talk about because, you know, people start jumping out saying, oh, you're fat shaming or you're this. <laughs> yeah, or that. It's like, right. no, um, obesity rates are rising quickly in the in, all, all across the Western world. Childhood obesity, which is something that didn't really used to exist some decades ago, um, is on the rise. A large number of children, there's children now who, who weigh more than I do. Um, and that's not good. This has major repercussions yeah. on individuals. And on communities, and it shortens people's lifespans. It makes people prone for a whole bunch of diseases, which they um, likely wouldn't suffer from otherwise. I mean, right. that was something that was barely talked about during the, the pandemic of the past two years, right? Besides being old, what was the biggest risk factor? It yep. was obesity. Yep. And that was barely mentioned. It was barely mentioned um, in, the, in my country. I think it was barely mentioned here, right? The, where, was there a message saying people, hey, um, <laughs> if you're very overweight, you're putting yourself at musk much higher risk. If you do contract COVID-19, then you're going to likely have a much rougher time with it. And it wasn't even mentioned. It wasn't no. discussed, let alone diabetes, various types of right. cancers, heart attacks, strokes. There's there being obese isn't healthy. And everyone knows that actually everyone knows it, but we kind of shy away from truth these days. So I wanted to write a book that was fun. You know, it's fun. It's a rhyming adventure. It, do, it doesn't go into all this, uh, the depth of what, what I just said there. <laughs> Um, but it's encouraging young people from that young age to recognize, Hey, you've got one body. It's got to get you through your entire life. Um, you don't want to eat too much or too little. You don't want to, um, exercise so much that you stop eating, but you also don't want to just lay around all day and never exercise. And it's fun. The entire thing rhymes. I'm a rapper. So I had to yeah. make sure that the, yeah. the book would rhyme. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's ultimately what the, what the book is about. So primarily for children i'd say age between about four and ten um i think they'd probably get the most out of it and also for families as well so it's available everywhere candycalamity.com or bravebooks.com people can get it from there and i'm really really proud of it i'm, I'm actually excited to see what we what we're able to yeah. do with it that's fantastic you, you wouldn't think that health is a counter-cultural message but it has become one it, it, it's insane i I, um, I do a lot of running. I'm part of a kind of the trail running community and I really enjoy trail running. So I subscribe to all these trail running magazines and follow on social media. And there has been a very deliberate push to put very unhealthy people mm. on the front of the magazines and as kind of the representatives of this pretty difficult sport. I mean, it's, it's not something that people who are obese are really participating in, but they find the three people that they can put on. And it's, yeah. It, it's crazy, and it has become countercultural to say, I need to take care of this one body that I have because I only have one life to live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I, I think, a pro, see, you, man, there's so much we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, our society has overcorrected in so many ways, and we've had things that are actually really positive become weaponized. One yeah. of those things is diversity. Another right. One of those things right. is inclusion. Mm. Another one of those things is equality. Inclusion is good. It should be good to encourage people who are overweight, people who are obese, people of who course. are in shape. Everybody should exercise. That's good. I support the message of encouraging everybody of to lift weights, everybody to, to go for a run, to go for a walk, take better care of your health. However, that is different to telling people that it is healthy to right. be fat. Sure or that you can be healthy at any size. That is not true. Right. It's, it's false and it's destructive. Yep. That's not a loving message. That is telling someone that an unhealthy state 
or an unhealthy lifestyle is healthy. That's not good. Just like it wouldn't be good to tell people that um, binge drinking is healthy mm-hmm. or right. anorexia is healthy or smoking cigarettes is healthy. That would right. be a really messed up message to put to people. If I tell someone that smoking cigarettes is not healthy, that's not me attacking. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's not me. It's right. not me attacking. If I tell someone that if I say that being obese is not healthy and that you actually can't be healthy at every single size, that's not me fat shaming. That's not me attacking the fat community or whatever nonsense mm-hmm. people want to say. It's just me stating fact. And I'm stating that fact because it's important. That's and right. if you deny it or even try to invert it, then you, you inflame the problems, right? You do, I want, I want people to live healthy lives, right? Yep. I'm not trying to force anyone to do yep. anything, yep. but I would like to encourage people to take better care of themselves. Um, that's a positive message. That's a loving message. Sometimes right. you have to put, be, be a little bit blunt when you are stating objective truths and it might make some people feel some kind of way, but look, I've been overweight before 20 years ago. I weighed more than I do now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not someone who was in, you know, fantastic shape my entire life when I was a teenager and a preteen. Like I got, you know, I, I, I was a fat kid, so I've been there before, <laughs> but you can do something about it. You can go to the gym, you can exercise, you can yeah. train, you can change your diet, change your lifestyle. And it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're a man or a woman, whoever you are, whatever you are, you can do that. And I recommend it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so many other things we could talk about, but uh, where can people follow you? Your social media is, is out there. People can find it. Somewhere else that you want to point people to? Yeah, sure thing. You can find me on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. And if you want to check out my book, The Candy Calamity, that's available at candycalamity.com. And my other book, Strong Advice, um, as well as all of my music and merchandise, that's available at teamzuby.com. Z-U-B-Y. Awesome. Zuby, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Awesome. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Another great conversation. That was uh, one of those interviews that I probably could have kept asking questions. <laughs> it could have been one of those three-hour episodes. Uh, maybe we'll have the opportunity to do that again, but so many good things there. I appreciate the insights and the perspectives. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you joining our conversation here three times a week. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, subscribe now. Wherever you're listening from, make sure you're subscribed. And then take some time, go over to YouTube. You can find this episode and an archive of previous episodes on YouTube. Go to YouTube, then search for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. That lets you know when this and other content comes online that we would love to share. Thank you. We will talk to you next time. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.